business and people. Your host, Walt Bayless. Let's get this show started. This is Walt Bayless with the Business and People Podcast. I have somebody fascinating with me on the call today. This person is not only an associate professor of organizational behavior at Bond University, she has been a published author. She's a co-author of work in the 21st century. She's been featured on BBC on every news channel you can imagine, including the ABC, The Guardian, Channel 7, SBS. She has spoken all over the world and has a um, client list that includes Len Lease, the biggest uh, property development company in Australia, Microsoft, the officer of the Commonwealth Games. She is a TEDx speaker, and it is my great pleasure to introduce you to Libby Sander. Libby, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks, Walter. It's great to be here. It's really nice to have you on the show. Now, Libby, one of the things that fascinated me when I was, when I was doing a little bit of research about you was that your work is all about work. You focus and study on getting people's workplaces and workspaces to be more productive. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of people actually just don't enjoy work. You know, we know that less than a third of people are engaged at work and it's such a waste of humanity, really, when you think about it. Um, People are either bored to death or stressed to death, I find. There's not much sort of in between. Is there a a remedy for that? Because as a business owner myself, being a past employee, I, I, I categorically remember the last day of, my, of, of when I was working for someone else, working, walking towards the coffee room to drop off my coffee mug that I'd had for the last five years or whatever, and I passed by six of my colleagues, and five out of the six were on Facebook or they were doing something else, which probably right. thrills my ex-employer to death. But <laughs> is, that, is that a symptom of, of what's happening in the workplace? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, people are doing jobs that they probably shouldn't be doing because they're not really aligned with what they're doing. Um, They're not suited to what they're doing. Uh, We're not doing a great job generally of designing work that does engage people, that keeps them interested. You know, we're still stuck in, you know, the industrial age a lot. We're designing work that, hey, come to work at 8am and, you know, leave at 5. And, you know, a lot of people are doing knowledge work and work that doesn't require them to be in the same place as everyone else at the same time. People have different needs, they have different interests. So, you know, we're not designing either the work or the workplace in many cases very well. What are the studies showing, Libby, in terms of productivity from remote working and that kind of stuff? Yeah, so it's kind of interesting. So people who work from home or remotely, it really depends on the personality. So some people can do that permanently. They're like, great, I never need to go to an office. I can Mm. meet people when I want to. Other people need more structure. And so they find it difficult. They get quite lonely at home. If they're working for a corporate, they find that they might feel that they're being overlooked for promotion and they're kind of missing out on what's going on in the office. So they really struggle with that. And so for some people, it's a balance at best, you know, part-time in the office, part-time at home. But people are often much more productive at home. Um, but sometimes they say, I don't want to do it because I'm lonely. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want sure. to talk to my dog <laughs> near yeah, the yeah. wall. <laughs> Actually, when I, when I tell people that we've run our own business for the last 10 years and, and it's been uh, all run from here, this is the, the home office and, and it's been amazing. My commute is about six steps, which is wonderful. Um, and, but the first thing I tell people, when, first thing that people ask me is how do I deal with the discipline of that? Mm-hmm. Um, do you find mm-hmm. that a common thing with, with the studies that you're doing? 
Yeah, absolutely. You, you have to have a structure. So I say to people, don't work in bed, don't work on the couch, try not to work at your kitchen table. If you have a separate space, not everyone has a separate office nowadays, mm. but a space that is actually, so when you go there, it's like, okay, now I'm working. I'm not yeah. watching Netflix. I'm not sort of doing <laughs> my baths, um, you know, the tax. I'm actually working. And because mentally that's really important for us to have these sort of structures where we are sort of getting into that mode. And look, for some people, they can work in their pajamas or their tracksuit but some other research has shown that people actually putting on their work attire actually gets them mentally into the frame of working so it's, yeah. it's really about what's best for you knowing yeah, yourself sure. so how did you get into this space Libby I mean you you've done you're you're actually Dr Libby Sander which is fantastic um do you have that printed on your card are you are you introducing <laughs> yourself as Dr Libby Sander uh look I, I usually don't it is printed on my card uh, from nice, the point of view but yeah no I, I don't because you know, I always think if I'm on a plane someone might say uh, we need someone to resuscitate, uh, you know, a passenger. And I'm like, I, I don't want to be asked that situation. If we, need a, if we need a hand with redesigning the cockpit and the workspace, you know, no, no problem at all. Yeah, right. Okay. It's not, not um, helping sick people. So, yeah. How did you so get I, into this field? Yeah, I was working as a human resources director for a long time. And then I had my own business consulting to organizations, which I still do um, on organizational design, you know, workplace design. How do you get the best people? How do you design work in a way that doesn't leave them watching YouTube all day? And then I started to get interested in, in the research. You know, there wasn't a lot of rigor behind, okay, well, if we do this in terms of the way we're designing work and the different spaces that people are working in, what does that lead to? Does it make you more? creative does it make you less stressed does it lead to more innovative outcomes and so I started to get really interested in that I'd worked a lot with co-working spaces as well mm. um, and right at the start of, of that in Australia and the change in of the way that we're working and it's just something I'm passionate about you know I don't want my kids to grow up being in a cubicle with gray plants or gray carpet and gray plants sometimes <laughs> uh, you know and being passionate about what they do and I think you know a lot of that is related to our environments um, that we're in and the way we design our work. Yeah, right. Can I, um, just before we clicked on record, we were, we were trading kids' stories. So I've got two little girls, you've got two little boys. Um, <laughs> sorry, just to, just to bore everybody that's not parents, we were talking about, um, you know, our kids. One of the things that, that I'm seeing in the school environment is the change of the desk structure in terms of the, let's call it the working environment for students, even from right. sort of eight, nine, ten years old. Is that a reflection of what's being found in the studies in terms of creative behaviour, in terms of um, workplace stuff? Is that kind of flowing all the way through from such a young age now? Yeah, it is. You know, people generally sitting is not a great thing to do all day for mm -hmm. adults or kids. Um, if we're doing collaborative work, we want to have spaces where it's easy for us to kind of get together in a group, have discussions and the old model of school of, you know, everyone at their own desk all day uh, facing the teacher kind of doesn't facilitate that. You know, kids like to move around yeah, yeah. Um, and they should move. It's good for them. So, you know, we have classrooms now where there might be, you know, a circular kind of couch at the front of the desks kind of sunken where they can sit for discussions with the teacher and then they might have high desks behind that um, when they're actually doing sort of written work. So I, I it think it's It sounds like so much more fun than, than when we were with Absolutely. <laughs> so <laughs> coming back into a corporate, into a professional space then, Libby. Um, so you really concentrated on uh, finding out that 
people at work coming from that HR background, people were doing work that they weren't engaged in. And that's kind of led you into how do we design that to be better? What are some of the things that you found that we might be able to, people who are listening right now, they're in the car, they're entrepreneurs, maybe they've got a team of people, maybe yeah. they're creating that first team of people. Yeah. How do we, how do we uh, take some of that research and knowledge and say, okay, these are some of the do's and don'ts when you're, when you're designing that workplace and that works, work arrangement? Yeah, so kind of co-designing that and consultation is so, so important. So uh, I guess if it's just you, you can have a conversation with yourself. But if you have some <laughs> some people around you are really saying, okay, who are the type of people that we have in this organisation? What's the type of work that we're actually doing here? Um, what space do we actually need to facilitate that? So, you okay. know, what... Do we like to sit on couches? Like, do we want to have a domestic feel to the environment? Um, you know, do we like bright colours? You know, it, there isn't really a one-size-fits-all, but what is really important um, from research and practice is that you actually consult and design. You know, so often we see, okay, everyone has to have hot desking and then you find that, well, the people there are at the desk all day and they don't do collaborative work and they have lots of things around them that they need. And so hot desking for them is just a total nightmare. Mm. Whereas for someone who's highly mobile, who's in and out of the office a lot, um, it can work really well for them and obviously yeah. it saves space. But, you know, the, the first thing to do is discuss with your team, okay, what, you know, what do we like? What are our values? What would make us feel when we come in every day? You know, wow, you know, I'm so excited to be doing what I'm doing. Um, and it facilitates us to work in the way that we need to work, whether it be, on our own a lot or collaboratively and, and then delivering that. And now that we have, you know, all these design shows on TV and the democratisation of design and you know, with IKEA and, and so forth, it's really not expensive. You don't need an architect. You know, you mm. can look on Pinterest and you can get ideas and, you know, how to make it really fun and different. Cool. So it's not necessarily about having a foosball table and a, and a water slide that goes from first to second floor, but it's more about listening to the people and what they, what they need. Do they want to work in a group? Do they want to yeah. be closed off? You know, there's yeah. going to be certain people that perform better in that environment. So does yeah. that, um, we're talking specifically design in that, in that last little bit of conversation about how we set up the office. I know that there was a big uh, trend towards the open plan, but there's so many more um, definements of that, isn't there, as in, yeah. in, in the way that we set that up. What about in terms of the actual mental side of, of that engagement? And we started off by saying so many people aren't engaged in their work. Mm. Coming from your HR background, what, what kind of work is being done in that field to, to help people, um, I guess, be more involved in what they're doing? Yeah, so obviously, as you said, you know, environment is a big factor, natural materials and plants and light, natural views, all of those things are really important. Mm -hmm. But in terms of the design of the job itself, it's really uh, a lot of organisations have moved to instead of me coming along and saying, hey, Walter, here's what you're going to be working on for the next day or week or year and I'm going to assess you based on that and maybe I'll give you a pay rise based on that or a bonus. Um, we like to have choice and control as humans. It's just a sure. natural part. And we're much more motivated the more choice and control that we have. Mm. So if we can mutually agree and say, well, so what do you want to do for the next year? Here's the goals of the company. Here's what we're trying to achieve. Um, how can we align those? And then mm. if you are able to set those goals and work in a way that then suits you, um, we find that people are much more motivated. They're much more interested. They're much more likely to deliver those 
out goals and outcomes and they're more likely to be accountable if they don't because we can say hey Walter you set these goals kind of what's happening here you know what do we need to change and so forth so I think that's probably one of the kind of cutting down years decades of research about this now but if you're able to then say look this is what I'm working on today I like to work from home you know I like to take my kids to school or go to the gym or you know perhaps you're working on some other charity project so you know you work best at between 11 and 2 at, you know, 11 p.m. at night, then we shouldn't really care as long as we're achieving the outcomes that we need to and Mm. we're living the values of the organisation. I can hear a boss who's listening to this right now screaming in agony (laughs) saying, if I let my people have that kind of freedom, I'd never get anything done. What's your, what would be your response to that, Libby? Yeah, so from the researcher's point of view, uh, well, absolutely, that's um, not the case. Um, You will always have people who are just not going to do their job. We all have good days and bad days and, you know, we just need to manage that in in a way that we normally would. But the more choice and control people have, the far more motivated they are. My personal experience of over 15 plus years working in organisations, I can absolutely promise that there is zero correlation between someone being in the building and being productive. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so, said, and, and that's the best way to answer that, isn't it? In terms yeah. of the boss who's freaking out going, oh, my God, I couldn't possibly do that. Um, well, guess what? If you're not, your, your, your employees are, as I said, checking Facebook or doing whatever anyway. There's no kind Having of... Having 10 uh, cups of coffee, walking around, talking to people all day. We're still stuck in this very what was called scientific tailorist management, which was from the industrial, you know, era where, mm. you know, if we thought we couldn't see people, we couldn't control them, we didn't know if they were making enough widgets, um, it doesn't work. So we're we're focusing, or we're we're evolving, I guess, more now into uh, results-based employment in terms of we need this done by this time. How you get it done is up to you. Up to you. And whether that whether that Mm -hmm. works with a flexible work structure or that kind of stuff. Do you now? I know that you've done a lot of uh, a lot of research and work in the future trends in society and organisations. Do you see at a at a at a wider scale um, the I guess typical CBD office structure of cities dispersing a little bit because of this new kind of workforce? So it might shrink, but I think the head office actually plays a really significant role. People do, teams do work better face-to-face, so they don't have to work face-to-face all the time, but having that opportunity to be face-to-face is really important. That's why business travel is still, you know, one of the world's biggest industries because if you're trying to build a relationship or sell something to someone, it's pretty hard to do it over the phone or with technology as much as we think that's great. Uh, we, We still know the value of that. And the head office also represents a really significant Significant portrayal of the brand of the organisation. So it's really sort of saying this is who we are. And the signboard, yeah. Yep. Yeah, and whether or not we think that is necessary or a good thing or a bad thing, um, I think that that will continue, but I think organisations will, that space will be much more flexible, it'll be much more multi-purpose. You know, we're seeing the walls of the organisation kind of go beyond, okay, this is just our campus, it's our space, we're now integrating more into the city, how can we contribute to, you know, innovation on a city level? How can we contribute to problems like loneliness um, in society with the rise of single-person households? So what Mm. role can organisations play and spaces in in, in urban environments play and regional environments in fixing that? So, yeah, yeah, I I think it's a little bit different, but I don't think the head office is going away anytime soon. Okay, good to know. What's one of the things that that surprised you in your research, Libby? What's when when you when you found something, you dug into it, and you went, "Oh my God, I can't yeah. believe that all of this research points to this 
outcome and we just haven't ever talked about it or brought it forward. Yeah, so one thing was we've had this idea that if we just stick everyone into one room that they will be more collaborative and that was one of the original ideas behind Open Plan and we're still doing that a lot now. But actually what I found in my research, originally in my PhD, was that it's actually not enough. So if the person cannot think and concentrate to do their job, um, because a lot of us now need to do a lot of concentrated knowledge work, then actually we don't collaborate and we collaborate less and we become more withdrawn and more hostile. So it's kind of like people become frustrated that, look, I just can't get anything done. I'm getting interrupted all the time. I, Mm. I can't think. It's too noisy. I've got no sort of privacy. So it will make us collaborate less. And so I think that's a super important point for people to think about. We think, okay, I just want them bouncing ideas off each other and solving problems all day. But actually, if they can't choose that, because it's good, you know, some of the time, but if you force people to do that all the time, their productivity will go down in general and they'll become quite annoyed because they just can't think. Yeah, sure. So is mm. it is it a blend then, Libby? Is it a okay, everyone? Let's do that. Let's just jump in the same room for a half an hour um, and bounce some ideas around, and then we all go back to our desk and work those out. Like, is it that kind of blend that you see as being the better structure in a work environment? Absolutely. So giving people those choices. So having workspaces where they can have that collaborative time. So there's cafe areas, you know, meeting spaces, and so forth. But where they can actually get work done without getting interrupted. Um, you know, with, with having some sort of privacy and, and where they can concentrate. And look, in a very small business, that might be they have to go somewhere else, maybe working from home. Um, you know, some people work well from cafes. Everyone's like, well, I don't understand. Why can I concentrate in a cafe? And that's really noisy. Mm. Um, but I can't at work. And there's actually a really important difference from that in terms of our brain. Your brain is actually tuned in unconsciously at work because you think, well, this conversation might be about me or it might be something I need to know. So we, even if we don't want to, we're tuning in all the time to the, what's going on around us. Whereas in a cafe, it's, pretty unlikely it's going to be about us or something we need to know Mm. so we can kind of have this level of buzz which can be good for creativity Um, but that choice is really important so not just one big open room lots of spaces nice nice cool so tell me about uh work in the 21st century you've you've co-authored the book uh work in the 21st century how do i log on uh published a couple of years ago what was the what was the premise behind that book What, what brought that to light I guess it's really a recognition of the publisher approached us and said, you know, can we try and encapsulate all of these changes that are happening? People are worried about AI. They're going to lose their job. Are they going to, what are they going to be doing? Where are they going to be working? Um, you know, do I have to wear a hoodie to work and, you know, go on slippery dips every day? And it was trying to just sort of say, look, here's what the research has shown. Here's the trends that are likely to happen. Um, so, yeah, like you said, the head office isn't going away. Technology is rising all the time and it's wonderful but it is an enabler, okay? So face-to-face conversation is still hugely important and those critical skills of, you know, building relationships, solving problems, you know, critical thinking, we're going to still need to do that, okay? Mm. And so, that you know, having empathy, these are things that, you know, won't be replaced, I wouldn't have thought, uh, and certainly our experts here, you know, in terms of AI, uh, won't be replaced for a long time. And so, but what we do need to do is think about our own learning, and how we're, you know, some of us need to kind of relearn how to learn and understanding what are our strengths, what are the things that we can really add value in, and how can I make sure that I'm sort of continuing to upskill myself, whether that be to understand my customers, to grow my business, to understand my staff, and, and they're things that people can kind of concretely do 
Um, but I think people shouldn't be terrified that they're not going to have a job. Yeah, which I know that, that a lot of people would be. Libby, can I ask you, uh, and, and you, you can feel free to skip past it if you like, but can I ask you how would people do that? So talking about, you know, relearning how to learn, upskilling, mm. staying relevant, making sure that they have uh, the different mindset to move forward with changes that are yeah. happening. How would you recommend people do that? Is it simply a conscious um, let's get into the library kind of thought pattern or would you recommend, you know, um, a, a structured approach to that? Yeah, so I think it's definitely a couple of things. It's a mindset for sure. Mm-hmm. So you have to think, okay, rather than just sitting down every night after work and watching Netflix for the whole mm-hmm. night and, look, you know, some, we need to switch off, but making part of our day where we can actually think about, um, okay, what are we actually doing? What what um, am I learning? Have I learned anything today? So one, having uh, this curiosity and thirst for seeking out new information. So I often say to people, Um, It's harder these days, but go to a great newsagent or bookstore and buy 10 or 12 magazines from completely unrelated fields. So it could Mm. be, you know, technology, fashion, um, you know, art, poetry, and read those magazines and look at, okay, what what are the themes? What are the patterns that are happening across here? Because often something that's happening in food and fashion and art and technology, there'll be a common thread that will help you sort of think, okay, this is a trend that's coming. This is something my customers are going to want or an opportunity that I can see in the market. Nice. And we can train our brains to do that. And it's sort of this, you know, surveying the horizon, looking at the landscape. And so I would highly recommend everyone does that. It doesn't take much effort, doesn't cost much money. Um, you know, there's no exams. And the more you do it, the more you, you are training yourself to see these patterns. Mm. Um, the other thing is obviously the people you're hanging around, you know, the, the famous adage, the five people you hang around with the most um, will sort of influence your thinking. So uh, don't discard all your friends and family, but consciously seek out, you know, people in communities like yours who are having conversations about how we change our thinking, how we do things differently. Uh, for some people, formal study can be a great thing if they're wanting uh, to upgrade uh, a skill set for a particular reason. Um, in terms of actually learning how to learn, one of the most popular courses on Coursera right now is actually called Learning How to Learn. Nice. It's free. It's an amazing course. I could recommend everyone should do that um, because it just teaches us how we learn um, and the kind of things that we should do to, to sort of up, upskill our, our thinking. Yeah, nice. I love it. That's some great advice. And especially, I think, for our audience who are, you know, that entrepreneurs, goal-driven, forward-thinking people, that yeah. ability to, uh, to research trends across across different industries i think that's fascinating that's that's a really good one to go and uh you you mentioned learning how to learn is on coursera is that right yeah okay. mm-hmm. awesome i can uh, cool. send you the link for that and yeah that'd be great we'll pop it into the, into the show notes that'd be that'd be that'd be terrific so what do you think in in, in terms of workplace work arrangements designing work to be more productive and and keep more people engaged what do you think is not talked about enough I think the fact that um, we always design for the the 1%, you know, the people who are going to watch YouTube all day, they're going to do the wrong thing. Mm. So we're still stuck in this methodology, like, you know, we're all working in factories. So we still are afraid of, of this conversation about, well, what would be the best way for you to work, Walter? And what kind of stuff do you think you should work on? And how could you best add value to the business? We still think that we have to control a lot. Wow. And so that's a big issue. Mental health in the workplace is a huge issue. Um, mm-hmm. There's growing numbers of people suffering from stress and anxiety um, and depression. That's a massive cost for employers and for society. Mm. Uh, and so I think, 
you know, being aware that, you know, we can't just expect people to turn up and be like us. So if we're someone that can work from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. every day and do a 5K hike before you start work every day, that's great. But we shouldn't assume that everyone's like that. And, you know, we have an unconscious bias to hire people who are like us. Mm. And one of the biggest problems that's not talked about is groupthink in organisations. Because if we hire really strongly to culture, to get cultural fit, we can end up with a whole lot of people who think exactly the same way. And that's a problem because then we're unlikely to challenge one Mm. diversity in general, but we don't challenge thinking. We don't have diversity of thinking. And we have people that just say yes to us. And that's a great idea because they're like us instead of going, well, actually, could we do that differently? Or in fact, actually, that's a really stupid idea. Oh, we shouldn't do that. (laughs) Which could change Um, the direction of a company and it, you know, necessarily so if it was was an opinion that was heard. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I like it. So I think, you know, wrapping, wrapping the, 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 the quick fix around mm-hmm. that would be the consultation. And, and, you know, when we started this conversation, we said one of the best things that, that employers can do in this in, in environment is to consult with the people that are on their team. Um, talking about the goals and making sure that we can work with an employee to achieve their goals in the same way as achieving ours. So the goals are going to be different. The, the, the owner of the company wants profit, wants growth, wants margins, etc. Yeah. And the employee wants to be home by four o'clock because this is happening. Like there must be a way that both can be arranged. And as you're saying, yeah. the, the number one thing, if we can consult in terms of um, working with people to reduce stress, to reduce anxiety, mm-hmm. to increase productivity by communication, I think mm-hmm. is probably the... Um, I can I can hear your HR background coming through there, like <laughs> consultation yeah. and communication being the absolute yeah. pinnacles of of moving everything else forward. Very very cool. So, what yeah. where will we see you next, Libby? Like, what are you working on, and what do you think's uh, going to be driving you forward? Yeah, so I'm working on a, a big research project at the moment. Um, we're using kind of neuroscience and architecture and psychology and urban design and um, management and organisational behaviour to figure out you know, how can we create these environments both mentally, physically, emotionally that are going to create the best outcomes for us. Nice. I'm working, working on a new book, um, working on a documentary, so a few things that um, nice. I'll be able to talk about a little bit more next year. But, yeah, I'd really. Love, um, we'd love to hear about it, actually. That would be, uh, be fascinating to come through. So are you, um, are you constantly amazed in your research or are you now so deep into this cycle that you're, uh, I guess, emphasizing what you've already found out yeah I I think both so sometimes you you just see that that things are confirmed but all the time it's surprising and you know fascinating because humans are also different and I love the fact that we're you know able to challenge and as you said same as being an entrepreneur you have to challenge the status quo and thinking all the time to think just because we've always done it this way doesn't mean that it's the best way it doesn't mean we should keep doing it this way um we should put humans at the center of everything because they are our customers they are employees and and ourselves you know if we're not uh having that human-centered approach to everything then things don't really work um they might work for a short while but then they stop working so uh that excites me nice very very cool so um what's something that people might find surprising about you libby um, so I think it's really good for people to not feel, so I didn't do, I was really bored at school, so I actually didn't study very much. So it was like, oh, you have all these degrees now and a PhD, but I was, my teachers probably would be rolling their eyes because uh, I, I just wasn't engaged. It wasn't the right environment for me. I didn't respond well to being told to sit at a desk all day and study this because I didn't want to study that. Um, so what's driven my career has been being bored. You know, I'll wow. do something and then 
I'll do something else. But it's also the upside has made me really curious and to look for those patterns. So sometimes you're always told to feel bad about your weaknesses and, and these things, but sometimes there's a real opportunity in that because if you can kind of turn that around and think about, well, actually, what's the good thing about someone who gets bored easily? Um, what's the good thing about whatever your particular weakness might be? Um, and I think that, yeah, it, I, if I'm not interested, then I don't really want to do it. I, I can't force myself to do stuff. I'm not really good at that. So I, I guess that's driven me to try and create environments and, and workplaces where people can feel the same. So Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Um, just, I'm, I'm so respectful of your time, Libby. Thank you so much for joining me. And I'll, I'll let you uh, jump back into, into daily life in, in just a second. If we, could, if we had the opportunity now to, uh, to wind forward 20 years, and so now we're talking to Libby Sander all of that time in, in the future, and you had an opportunity to catch up with yourself, what do you think your older self would tell you right now to do and to be involved in to make sure that that next journey of, of the future is going to be the one that you're designing? Yeah, so that's the hard part for me and probably for many of your um, community as well is um, the downside to the curiosity is shiny thing, shiny thing. So taking on too many things and, you know, that usually goes really well because, you know, some things come off, some things they don't, but um, you can also burn yourself out doing that. So I think Mm -hmm. I would probably counsel myself to... Stay curious, stay fascinated, but just don't say yes to everything. <laughs> Take some time. <laughs> Take some time. Livy, thank you so much for the, for the chance to come in. I, 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 certainly from my personal perspective, the last you know, 20, 30 minutes of talking about engaging your workforce and changing the status quo in terms of uh, the way we design productivity, the way we think about other people that we're working with has certainly been fascinating for me. Thank you so much. I'm looking Likewise. forward to your, uh, your book coming out. I think that's going to be terrific. And uh, for anybody that's, that's interested, uh, I'll make sure we've got a link to Libby's profile on LinkedIn there and, and you can jump in and find out what you're working on and, and about the future of work and making sure that that's uh, all we want it to be. Libby, thank you again so much for your time. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Walter. It's been fun. Thanks. Cheers. Hey, everyone. It's Walt, and thanks so much for listening to the episodes on the podcast. We really love bringing these interviews to you, and I hope you're getting a lot out of them. We've designed the podcast to really help and to engage with everybody out there, so you could help us by simply leaving us a comment or a review, subscribing on iTunes. Head over there now. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave a review for us. It helps more than you could possibly believe. Do that now, and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.